As we enter Christmas week, people across the country are rushing online to try and get their last bits for Christmas done. But beware of the scammers. Just last week, Irish banks issued a scam alert warning online shoppers about a counterfeit website offering well-known perfume brands at knockdown prices after hundreds of Irish consumers were scammed. Fake sites mimicking River Island and Dunn stores have also been circulating on social media, while phishing and smishing have reached epidemic levels. On Upfront this week, we're looking at what is being done and what should be done to tackle this scourge. One man who's doing his bit is Jim Browning, a YouTuber and software engineer from Belfast who is taking the fight to scammers on his YouTube channel, which has over 4 million subscribers. I suppose I should explain to our listeners that you're not really called Jim Browning. That this is a pseudonym that you use to mask your identity for your work as a virtual vigilante taking down the cyber criminals. Um, And we're not showing your face either, which is an unusual thing for us on on this podcast. But obviously, this is important for you to maintain your anonymity in the work you do. Yeah, I disrupt what are criminal organisations. So really, this is more much more about protecting me and my family and so on because the people that I disrupt uh, are multi-millionaires and unfortunately that sort of money buys quite a lot of influence and usually this is just to, yeah, you're right, my, my name isn't Jim Browning, although that's the name I have on YouTube and a lot of other social media, but ultimately that is not my real name and I'd rather be called Jim because it's just a little bit harder to tra- track me and trace who, who I am and where I am. OK, let's talk about that YouTube channel, Jim, because four million subscribers, it's really breathtaking. It's an incredible success. Yes, and an accidental success, I've got to say. I never intended to be a YouTuber. My whole aim was to actually just make a recording of a scam happening in a very clear fashion. And that's how I started off. I Like everyone else, I get lots and lots of these scam phone calls. And there was one particular day that I was working at home and I thought, surely I, as an engineer, and I have a background in computers and engineering and so on, I thought, surely I can try to do something about these scams. And it all started off with just a clear recording of a scam happening. I uploaded that to YouTube and for some reason, I still don't know why, it really caught on. And yes, today I have 4 million subscribers and I'm I'm guessing one of the more popular, what are called scam baiters on YouTube. And like you say, you don't know why, but do you think that people are coming to you because... Obviously, we, we're, we're all afraid of these scams now. We're constantly vigilant about, you know, what's coming at us. Or do you think people just enjoy seeing the bad guys get taken down? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's a... Oh, I mean, I've always had a fascination with scams and scammers. And I think that sort of crime, if you like, appeals to a lot of people. Everyone gets the phone calls. You know, you have if you are sitting and have a landline particularly you're almost certain to have these phone calls yourself at some point or another. Or you probably know people who sadly have fallen for a scam and have parted with money. And I think everybody thinks that these scammers seem to get away with it all the time. And my channel is about exposing the scams. The scammer, it's primarily about education, say this is the way they work and so on. But it also gets one back on scammers. And that's the important thing. 
And for me, just to show that they don't always have it their own way, I think it's that bit that's probably appealing to a lot of people. And if if you know if if somebody hasn't uh, seen your channel yet, uh, and rather than me trying to describe what they find when they go to you, could you just give me an elevator pitch of of what your what the, your channel is all about? It is really about digging deep into scams. So everyone has heard the scam phone call, and most people hang up. But what I do is go a little step further, and I deliberately allow the scam to happen. So I let scammers, for example, onto my computer. And if they do that, that is actually a weak point in their scam. And what I do is I reverse that and I get access to the scammer's computer. And as soon as I can do that, it opens up a a picture of their world. It, It tells me what they're up to. So I can see them scamming other people. And because I've got lots of access to their computer networks, Some of them even have CCTV, so the closed circuit television, and I can see them. And if they have webcams on their laptops or computers, sometimes I can switch those on. So on the YouTube channel, you can actually see the people who are making those phone calls. And I think that's what's quite unusual about it. So when you get that sort of level of access, as you can imagine, it's also possible to have a little bit of fun at their expense because not only can you see them, but you can gauge the reactions whenever things happen. So I've even gone as far as with a little bit of insider help, actually bringing things like, well, we call it glitter bombs, but putting glitter in their offices, releasing live rodents and cockroaches and so on in their office just to see the reaction. And that is all possible because of that weak spot in their scam. So yes, I I go into a lot of depth about how I do that on the YouTube channel. So you actually go beyond uh, the the online engagement with them and get people to do things in real life that you can then broadcast yes, through the channel. Yes. So, I mean, it, it's kind of nice to be able to not only kind of pick apart their scams, I always think if you have seen maybe a video or a bit of audio clips about how the scam actually works, what what people actually say to you when they're trying to scam you, if you can pick up on those clues, you are a lot less likely to fall for a scam. And that is the primary reason. That's why I have the YouTube channel in the first place. But like I say, I've done my job if you can pick up a call and you're just a little bit suspicious, but the scammer says something to you that triggers something in the back of your head and you think, hang on, I've heard something like that before. Maybe this isn't my bank. Maybe this isn't Amazon or Microsoft, whoever they're pretending to be. And if if, if you can do that and you can step back from the phone call, then the, the, I've done my job. The, the videos have worked. Yeah, but I, I mean, apart from them doing your job and educating people, uh, you know, about what to look out for and all of that. I mean, they are just a bit, of, they're a good crack as well. As well it has to yeah. be said. It, it's yeah. nice to get one over on a scammer. You know, they, they always seem to get it their own way. You get incessant calls and just having the ability to get one back at these people is nice. I mean, for example, Sometimes you'll get this robotic call and everybody's heard it before. This is Amazon. Amazon never called you. And you've you've just placed an order. Press one to speak to someone. And you just know rightly that it's a scam. But I have 
I have the ability to go in and change the way that the scammers operate. So I've actually changed the robocall messages. So instead of that message which says, this is Amazon, it actually says, this is a scammer from India. If you want to waste their time, you can press one, but please don't tell them I've changed their message. So I've actually used that as a message on their calling systems. And I could watch as they were getting hundreds and hundreds of these phone calls and nobody was falling for the scam. And it was kind of nice to be able to even just step back and have a bit of laugh about how they had to up the call rates and that cost them more money. And all the time they hadn't a clue that it was their own message which had been changed. So doing little things like that, although you might call that petty and childish, I think a lot of people do get a kick out of that sort of activity. You also put up a scammer's wedding photos on your on your own computer. So when they went in to scam you, they found pictures of themselves. Yes. And and sometimes you have to resort to tactics like that because I have reported scams to the police. They're primarily in India, about 90, 95% of the, certainly the, the phone calls that you get will come from India. And yes, I've been able to access the scammer's computer. They always at some point try to scam me, but I've managed to reverse the scam. I've got onto the scammer's computer and there there would be sitting maybe pictures of this guy's wedding. And I can then call them back again at a later point and have my computer all set up with this guy's photographs sitting on my computer. So when he goes back to me, I let him onto the computer and suddenly he can see his own face there. Now, obviously, you have to, to blur out the other people in the photograph because they're, they may be innocent bystanders. But that is an incredibly effective way to stop people from scamming because sometimes the police in India, sadly, don't really do their job. And the one, the most effective way that I found to actually expose scammers and stop them or at least move them on a little bit is to say, I know who you are, I know where you, where you are. It sounds a little bit like a, a movie at this point, but that is a very effective way of stopping them if the police don't do their job. I do try to go to the police, but the next best thing is to say, police haven't done anything about it. Maybe they're too small scale or whatever it is. At least I can maybe frighten some of the people into stopping their activity. And some of them do genuinely sound quite frightened at the end of that. I would, if somebody had my photograph sitting on a computer as I'm trying to scam them, I might have second thoughts. So yes, it's in some ways it's slightly childish. And unfortunately, I have to resort to that sort of tactic sometimes to get that message back. And, and I do genuinely think I've stopped some scammers as a result of doing something like that. To what degree then are the people that you actually see, as you say, you could, you've actually managed to turn on cameras and look at who's on the other side of those computers, that they are basically, you know, low paid workers in a call centre in India, you know, obviously not doing something legal or ethical, but to what degree are they just the very, very, you know, lowest level of a criminal network? Yeah, so I mean, I've dug deep into some of the organisations behind it, and as you say, there can be all sorts of people. I mean, I ask scammers a lot of the time, "Why are you doing this?" Because they are stealing money from people, typically older people as well. And I mean, the obvious point is, 
if you're a scammer, particularly in India, you can make a lot of money very quickly. And that's the real reason why the majority of people do this, making money fast. And quite apart from that, there's, I mean, I've, I've tried to report a lot of this to the police at times. The police genuinely are not interested, particularly if it's low-level crime, if they're small organisations. And I get all sorts of excuses to why people are doing this. As you say, there can be people who tell me they have no choice in this. And that may well be the case. Everybody's, everybody's case is different. Um, but there are people at the very tops of the big organizations who are multi-millionaires as a result of what they're doing. And those are the people that I try to go for on the YouTube channel. I try to dig in particularly to the bigger organizations because I can see what they describe as the incentives for scams are scam these are basically bonuses for the amount that you steal and sometimes i can pick up documents on their computers which tell me exactly how much money some of the people on the phones actually make and that is in quite stark contrast to the people at the top and what usually happens is the people on the phones normally only get maybe one to five percent of what they steal the 99 to 95% goes to the people at the top. And like I say, they can be multi-millionaires as a result. And I have, I've managed to sometimes dig into exactly who is running this, who's making all of the money from the scams. And they can be very rich and very influential people. And I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of them are not arrested. They have political influence. Obviously, they can spend a lot of money and bribe people. And unfortunately, in countries like India, bribery seems to get you a long way in society. What you do then, Jim, is that is that strictly legal? Because obviously you are engaging, you are going into somebody else's computer, albeit somebody who has tried to steal from you. I mean, I, to an extent, I try to keep myself covered in that I draw the scam out for as long as possible. Whenever someone accesses my computer, they will say, I need you to type whatever it is on your computer. And they won't explain to you that what they're really doing is they want remote access to it. And remote access means they can see your screen, they can control your keyboard and your mouse, they can do something on your computer as if they were in the same room. So they don't make it known that that's what they're doing. They will say, I need you to connect you to a secure server. You know, they won't use words like, I'm going to take control of your computer. They certainly won't be that open. So what I do is the same thing, but in reverse. So I don't tell them, whenever you connect to my computer, I'm going to see the ID that connects and I'm going to go back to that ID and try and connect to you. I obviously don't tell them that. So we're being equally dishonest, shall we say, with each other and I would say overall, yes, I'm accessing somebody's computer without their permission, so strictly that's illegal, and I wouldn't encourage anybody else to do it. But at the same time, the only people who could ever have a complaint are the scammers themselves, and I just can't see them going to the police saying, sorry, I was trying to take money from this guy, and he went back onto my computer. It strikes me, Jim, that we're we're all very lucky that you're using your powers for good and not evil because <laughs> you could be a very successful scammer now, couldn't you? 
oh, I know their scripts sometimes better than the scammers do. And they will sit there and learn all sorts of techniques. It's amazing. I've been doing this for quite a number of years. And the core of the scams rarely change. They will obviously want to get money from people. And the way that they do that is very scripted. And the reason why it's scripted is those scripts work. And most people, whenever you get a strange phone call, will know it's a scam immediately and hang up. But if you can put enough phone numbers into your system, you're eventually going to get somebody who's having an off day or by coincidence is interacting with their bank or Amazon or Microsoft or whatever and just won't see that this is a numbers game and they've got caught up in this. So I've said this before, anyone can fall for a scam. And you know, if like I say, I've done my job if something triggers in the back of your head that there might be something more to this. This may not be the person that I think that I'm speaking with. Is there any attempt by these scammers, the more sophisticated ones, to target a particular type of victim? Or is it purely always just a numbers game? Well, they tend to make their phone calls during the daytime, so during the Irish daytime, for example. And that's because you're just, particularly if it's landlines, you're just more likely to get older people who are around. I'm not saying that they try to deliberately target older people some of them do you know occasionally they will you will see spreadsheets for example titled uh, older you know older age groups or whatever so sometimes that happens but mostly it is a numbers game uh, if you can put enough phone numbers into your calling system and you have enough people on the phones you're just by a pure numbers um just by using pure volume of calls you will eventually hit someone who unfortunately is not going to recognize that it's a scam so it is a numbers game mostly are there then types of scams that kind of become very fashionable for a short period and then the scammers move on to another kind of scam yeah i mean the the traditional ones are still there there are still people who operate um you've won a lottery and you know still you get the emails as well saying um I've got a consignment of $22 million and it's uh, hidden in this safe box in somewhere in Africa, whatever it is. Yeah, that was Those what I would have said, operate. the traditional one. That was that would have yeah. been like five years ago. That's the kind of scam that yeah. you'd be getting. Now, now those, those have dropped off a little bit. You don't see as many of those in your email inbox. But a lot of them seem to be replaced by telephone calls these days. And I'm sure most people have heard the Amazon scam pretending to be your bank or your tax authority, those are still probably the biggest ones that you'll hear. More recently, the the romance-type scams have really taken off um, because scammers realise that they may only get small amounts of money for a large volume of calls, but if you can concentrate your scams on just a few individuals and build their trust, then you can make a lot more money with probably employing fewer people. So there's, there's one scam called the pig butchering scam, which is a horrible name for something which is both a romance scam and an investment scam, usually a crypto investment scam. So if you haven't heard that term before, it's just a combination of those two. They build up trust by, for example, sending messages to people on dating sites or even random messages through WhatsApp saying, hello there, oh, this is, I sent this to you accidentally. Oh, you know, and inevitably it's somebody who's a good looking man or woman on a profile. They'll build up a relationship with you 
and then eventually they will encourage you to make money the way they have or what they've said they've done and get you to invest in something. And the pig butchering bit comes in to say they will fatten up the pig, fatten up the victim, encourage them to invest more and more into this, what turns out to be a fraudulent website. So it looks on paper like you're making money, you're encouraged to put in more money. And only at the point where you need to take that money out do you realise that actually there's barriers all of a sudden for you withdrawing that money. You have to invest more. All of a sudden there's tax implications. You have to pay some tax on this. Then there's some other barriers. And ultimately that is just to fatten you up as far as possible before butchering you as in stealing your money. It has been, it was never theirs. You know, they, they may release a small amount of money to you just to invest more but ultimately it's to try and get as much money out of you as possible really horrible scam the text message scams then which is a huge a huge one now i think uh, particularly in the last yeah. year are they the same people do they just operate right across all the different platforms or do the scammers tend to be the smishing ones the phishing ones are the you know how does that work yeah, I've actually managed to watch a set of scammers running that sort of operation. And what they were doing surprised me because I had never seen it before. And what they do was normally the message that they send is something along the lines of, Hi, mum, I've just lost my phone or I've dropped my phone and broken it. And this is my new number. Can you text me on WhatsApp or whatever? And from that point then a lot of people do just blindly look at that and go, oh, hi, is that Davy? is that Madeline, whatever your name is. And then the scammers continue the conversation generically. And then eventually they say, oh, by the way, I owe my friend 400 euro for this new phone. Would you mind sending it to this bank account? So all they've done there is just basically manipulated people into trusting who who this is. Is it a son or daughter? And they've got money out of them. But the question is, how do they get your phone number in the first place? How do they know that this is maybe an older person who might be a mother? And the way they did that was, because I was watching this on their computer, they were using a program which cycled through mobile numbers. And it was able to extract the WhatsApp profile picture from that phone number. So they just put a big long list of sequential phone numbers, pulled back the the picture on the profile from WhatsApp, and the program was able to sort through which of these looks like a man or woman. And then they filtered that for whoever looked slightly older. So what they ended up with, based on your WhatsApp profile picture, was a list of older women and they would target those numbers for that WhatsApp message and they could send that in bulk. So it was really, it was unusual to see that. I had never seen that before, but they did actually target people just using that WhatsApp profile picture. That is extraordinary. I'm now thinking, Jim, of all the younger women out there who have gotten the hey mom text message thinking, I need to change my WhatsApp profile picture clearly if I look like well, a mammy of, a, of an adult child. I mean, that's the takeaway is that your, your WhatsApp profile picture is public or you can set it to be public. And most people have that on by default. And you are therefore subject to people being able to look at that profile picture going, 
does that look like an older or younger woman? And they could potentially target the messages they send based on your, your picture alone. Uh, is there similar work being done, do you think, by the scammers on the other social media, like the Facebook? Obviously, there's a, a lot of a lot of scamming being done in places like Facebook Marketplace now. Yes, um, Facebook Marketplace is notorious for that. And sometimes it can be very difficult to work out what is a genuine seal, what isn't. But scammers also have their little Facebook groups there as well. And they will sell, buy and sell people's personal data on those groups. I, I've sat with my jim browning anti-scam logo and everything i've joined some of those groups and i can see people openly selling things like bank accounts the ability to actually send those robocalls to various countries you know people will buy and sell that activity really quite openly on facebook and i've always been amazed that the police don't sit in the same groups that i do because they're open to the public and try and catch some of the people who are really selling people's personal data. I've always wondered why that hasn't happened, but I would love to see something happen there. But even before you get to the police taking part, like should could the platforms themselves be doing more to stop this? I think yes. I mean, we've <laughs> I've met with representatives of Meta, Facebook, and you know large companies like Amazon, and. Given some of my observations about how they could make their platform better, and yes, obviously there, there must be more of an emphasis these days on combating scams in every large platform. Um, like I say, I've, I've, I've sent information directly to those companies to say, here's what you could do to improve. But it, I don't know, they, 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 it seems to hit a brick wall. If, and of course, in the background, we know that banks quietly compensate victims of, of uh, authorised push payment scams, for instance, you know, so as not to have that the bad publicity that would go with with people coming coming out saying they got scammed and money was taken out of their account. But does that kind of, you know, serve to keep the merry-go-round turning, really? Because the money keeps getting flushed around. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised it's now an obligation on the banks to refund payments like that. This is in the UK Any... banks. It's not an obligation here yet, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably thinking more of the UK banks. But, you know, you can see the trend is for banks to try to go that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens in Ireland and other European countries and the USA. Um, just because the scams are so prevalent and I've always wondered why the banks don't go after the source of all of this. You know, it seems to be that someone gets scammed, the banks have to compensate that victim, or the, you know, the, at least in some cases anyway, the banks are taking responsibility, which is maybe a good thing. But equally, if I were a bank, I would want to go after the people who have actually stolen the money and I'm just surprised that they don't have a working group, at least, which says we're a consortium of banks. Let's try to restrict this bleed of, of funds and actually go after the, the groups because, you know, I know who a lot of those groups are. I'm sure even the police in various countries know who they are. Surely they could get an organization that would target the people who really steal the money. Have you ever been scammed yourself, Jim? 
Uh, well, to a degree, yes, because, like say, anyone can be scammed. I, I Personally, I've even had someone who was able to persuade me to delete my own YouTube channel, which sounds incredible because you think, well, here's a person who should be very tech-savvy. Surely to goodness you wouldn't fall for something like that. But they got me on the fact that, by coincidence, I have two of these what are called, well, two accounts really that I use to service my own YouTube account. And it so happened that I got a message saying, hey, you've got two of these IDs, you need to delete one. And that rang a bell with me because that happened to be right in my case. But as it turned out, the message wasn't targeted at all. It just so happened to hit me. And that's why I say anyone can fall for a scam if the circumstances are right. Now, what the person was really after was to be able to take control of my YouTube channel. And I realized only part the way through this scam that that's what they were trying to do. And only at the point where they say, you need to fill in this form. And the form asked me for my password. And only at that case did I did I go, ah, this, this can't be right. No one will ask you for your password. And that only at that point did I figure out that everything that had happened just before that was part of the scam. But the damage was done. They managed to persuade me to type certain things on YouTube, which deleted my channel. And it took me about a week to get that restored again. So although the scam didn't fully complete, they didn't get access to my computer or the, the YouTube channel, nevertheless, damage had been done. And as you can imagine, that would be embarrassing for anyone, let alone <laughs> someone who combats scams. So that's what I'm saying, though. You know, if the circumstances Indeed. are right, anyone can fall for a scam. And it But just on that then, because... I mean, I just I've just noticed myself that in my own phone, I've just seemed to be bombarded with text messages, smishing text messages in particular over the last uh, few months. And at this time of year, because you are maybe, you know, maybe you have done a bit more online shopping than normal. You are expecting packages. You are expected to pay customs charges for something. You're in a constant state of is this real or is this fake or do I click on this or do I do anything about that or will my account be shut down? Can you give advice to people to to you know to navigate all of this now? Yeah, what are the key difficult. things to look out for? Yeah, I've got to say it is difficult, and as you say, particularly this time of year, those sort of messages may well be genuine. And how do you tell the difference between a smishing one and um, a genuine message? And I, I've got to say, probably the easiest piece of advice is step back if you're not sure ask another person you know it, it's it is difficult to figure out which is genuine which is not with my kind of tech savvy head it is possible to figure out whether a link in one of those messages is genuine or not it usually comes from largecompany.com and if it looks like something else like i don't every hyphen whatever dot co or dot eu or dot io or whatever it is if it doesn't really contain the large company name.com in general, it may well be a smishing, it may be, it will be a scam. Um, the best okay, so way, that's the top one, the URL. Look at the URL, the first thing you do. Look at the URL, yeah, that, that's number one. I think number two is just kind of take a step back from it and not immediately click any link that is there, even for genuine companies, um, whether it's Amazon or a delivery company or whatever, if you don't actually click the link itself, but 
offline, just browse to that company's website and then type in manually whatever reference number is there. That way you're kind of sure that you're getting through to the right website. And again, if you're obviously if you're not expecting a parcel to be delivered, I would say just ignore it completely. Um, but if you have clicked one of those links, I think be a little bit wary about future scams because not all, most of the smishing links are not directly just to grab your credit card details and somehow that allows uh, say a thief to drain money from your account that's not usually why those messages are sent the reason why they're sent is there will be follow-up scams so weeks or months later perhaps you might get a call supposedly from your bank which says hello mr mrs whatever it is we notice some suspicious activity on your account. Your account number ends in, and I'll read this off because they've taken that information from what you filled in when you clicked the link, and they'll be able to make themselves a little bit more believable because they know your name, they know your address, they know which bank you're with, they know the last four of your card, and the assumption is that only your bank would know that, but in fact it's the details you yourself have filled in and a scammer is now using them. So you, you just got to be a little bit aware that if someone calls you, always be suspicious. And that, that's the kind of second big call out here. Whether it's somebody calling at your door or approaches you by email, here's, here's an invoice, did you pay for this? Or someone's just called you saying, this is your bank. And even if they are able to give you a lot of information, the advice is, take that offline, say, okay, I'll just check on this and hang up. And if they've claimed to be from your bank, you make the call to your bank yourself and say, has someone from your offices just called me and see what happens. And the telltale will be the scammer will attempt to keep you on the call they've made. They will give you words like, um, this is an investigation we're doing. You, you don't please hang up. I need you to stay on the call. If you start getting messages like that and someone's putting pressure on you to either do something quickly or stay on a phone call or I'm going to call your mobile and, and I need you to answer that call while I'm on this one. Those should be telltales that a scam is happening. And if you're hearing anything like that, hang up and you make the call yourself to verify who you're speaking with. And I think if if everyone was able to even take that away from this whole podcast, that would be a good thing. Okay, really, really good advice there. Jim, it's so fascinating what you do. On behalf of all of us that may have been saved from being scammed by the work you do, uh, many thanks and happy Christmas. Thank you, Kitty. Have a happy Christmas yourself. And that was Jim Browning. Thanks for listening to Upfront, the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can message us on social media at RTE Upfront or via WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp number is 87 1000 And don't forget to tune in to Upfront on Mondays at 10.35 on RTE One and on the RTE Player. And I will talk to you then. Bye.